ಪಾಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತ ನಾರಾಯಣ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಥಿ ಪುರಾಣ ಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿಗತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿಗಿನ ಯಾಂತನ್ನ ವಿದುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಾಯ ತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ಮಾತ್ರ ಸ್ಪರ್ಶಾಸ್ತುಕಾಂತೆಯ ಶೀತೋಷ್ಣಸುಖದುಃಖದಾ ಆಗಮ ಪಾಯಿನೋ ನಿತ್ಯ ತಾಂ ಸ್ಥಿತಿಕ್ಷಸ್ಸು ಭಾರತ ಸೇಡ್ ದಟ್ ವೆನ್ಎವರ್ ಯು ವಿಲ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ದಿ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಎವ್ರಿ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ಗೋಂಟ್ ಬಿ ಸಮ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಯು ವಿತ್ ದಿ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಮೀನಿಂಗ್ ವೆನ್ ಯು ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ಗನ್ಸ್ ವಿಲ್ ಕಮ್ ಇನ್ ಕಾಂಟ್ಯಾಕ್ಟ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಸೆನ್ಸ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ದರ್ ವಿಲ್ ಬಿ ಅನ್ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ವಿಚ್ ವಿಲ್ ಜನರೇಟ್ ದ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪೀರಿಯನ್ಸ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಹೀಟ್ ಆರ್ ಕೋಲ್ಡ್ ಆರ್ ಪ್ಲೇಜರ್ ಆರ್ ಪೈನ್ ಹ್ಯಾಪಿನೆಸ್ ಆರ್ ಅನ್ಹ್ಯಾಪಿನೆಸ್ or honor or dishonor one of the two will definitely result from every contact you have with the surroundings and of course that is what life is that constantly we are in contact with the world we we interact with the world and this interaction with the things and beings and situations will bring about experiences in the form of experiences which may be what we call agreeable or disagreeable <coughs> they may be at the level of body comfortable or uncomfortable at the level of mind happy or unhappy at the level of intellect honor or dishonor this is unavoidable so the advice is when something is unavoidable tam stitikshasva may you may you uh, bear with them may you bear with the things may you not i should not say put up with the things but may you have forbearance with reference to the situations of life which you cannot change <coughs> and also understand agama apainaha they are all impermanent anything that that has a beginning also is going to have an end and this is true with both the pleasure and pain or happiness and unhappiness nothing is permanent so all that you are contacting nothing is permanent therefore the kind of experiences they generate are also impermanent subject to occurring and again uh, diminishing arising and again diminishing coming and going and therefore tam stitikshasva have forbearance meaning do not get upset with the things do not let your mind be perturbed by both situation that create elation or depression don't don't let the situations create in you either elation or depression yam hinav vyasayantete meaning may you learn to maintain what we call an equanimity of the mind in spite of the changing situations so here lord krishna is asking us to do something usual approach is to go around and change the things so that they are agreeable to me that's the usual approach this is what we call an extrovert approach and the approach that is suggested is that don't waste your time and effort in trying to change things because number one there is very little you can do with reference to changing the world around you and secondly even if you change the situation then also your own mind perhaps will want it differently next moment and therefore it is never going to happen because your own mind is fanciful its own likes and dislikes are are changing so often and and so constantly that even if you find that by bringing about a certain change in the environment or situation that is agreeable even that also is going to last only for a short time and you yourself will see the need for yet further change and this is endless 
And so, proper thing to do is understand that it is the nature of things to change and therefore, may you change your outlook. This is how life is and therefore, learn to accept it, learn to enjoy it. Swami, what will happen if somebody punish, beats you up and stuff like that? Well, okay, be beaten up, what can you do about it? Suppose somebody beats you up, can you enjoy that? Even if you cannot enjoy it, you accept it as a fact of life. If you can defend yourself, fine. You cannot defend yourself, I mean there can be situations in life which are very disagreeable. But there also, as long as there is nothing you can do about it, and there are different ways of looking at the situations. It is not merely that by your willpower alone that you'll be able to maintain the requirement. It's going to require a lot of teaching. So it's going to require, and the next verse itself is going to tell us about the realities of life. And uh, that is also necessary to understand the realities of life, which will also enable us to have a certain perspective of our situations. And that is how it is dhiraha. The next verse is, Samadukha Sukham Dhiram One who is wise, meaning one who has a proper perception about the life, about the realities of life. Or one who understands the situations occur because uh, as we said, whenever we perform different actions, the results come in accordance with the actions. So the pain comes in my life, well that is also something that is bound to happen on account of what was done in the past. And so, accept the results and situations as they come, which are nothing but the products of what has been done by you in the past. What has been asked, you have asked for these things, and that's why they're coming to you, and that is also, you accept them. <coughs> and subsequently, as we shall see, uh, Lord is Krishna in the Karma Yoga is going to teach us Prasada Buddhi. That whatever comes to you is in fact nothing but coming from Lord. Because he alone creates situation moments to moment. And therefore the situation that you are encountering at any moment is created by Lord, by God. And therefore he is the one who is giving it to you. And whatever comes from God is always considered to be grace. And therefore constantly try to appreciate that every situation brings some grace. Even in a, even in a situation which is very painful, there is some blessing hidden in there if we we have the patience or if we have the forbearance to look at it. <coughs> so idea is not that I retain my understanding as it is and hope to be able to deal with the life. It is that I have to bring about a complete transformation in my own understanding and outlook and perception of the life. That life has a different perception by which you'll find that the situations which are at the moment unbearable they all become bearable, not only that, even enjoyable, when our own perspective of the life changes. So it is samadukha sukham dhiram, that wise person who is able to maintain the requirement of the mind in what we call sukha and dukkha, happiness and unhappiness, or in all these changing situations of life, saha amrutattvai kalpade, he alone becomes fit for amrutattvam, immortality, meaning he alone becomes fit for uh, understanding the reality of life, understanding the nature of self, understanding the ultimate nature of what this world and life is all about. <coughs> so first step in understanding the reality of life is to be able to maintain what we call a, an equanimity of the mind, to be able to maintain an objective mind. So not react, not color the situations and be able to appreciate the things as they are. Second step is then to be able to understand the reality. <coughs> and what is the reality? That is being said in the verse 16, a very important verse. Itascha shokamohu akritva sitoshnadisahanam yuktam. See, this is another reason, Arjuna, why be remaining free from the grief and delusion that it is proper for you that you should have, you should have forbearance for all these different opposite situations of life. And what is the reason for that? Is that understand the reality of what you call pleasure and pain. Understand the reality of what is comfort and discomfort, pleasure and pain, honor and dishonor. So all these kind of reactions that you have and the various situations which cause these reactions, various people, various situations, various things which cause the reactions of pleasure and pain from you, what is the reality of them? 
what is the reality of pleasure and pain or honor and dishonor and what is the reality of that which causes this reaction of honor and dishonor in you I mean you know look at the reality of the things and then you yourself decide whether it is proper for you to react to different situations <coughs> says in the 16th verse Lord Krishna na sato vidyate bhavah na bhavo vidyate satah ubhayo rapidrishtontah tvanayos tattva darshibihi na asatah vidyate bhavah there is a word called asat asat means that which is unreal bhavah na vidyate a thing that is unreal does not have a real existence thing which is unreal or asat doesn't have a reality in fact it is not there in reality na abhavah vidyate satah and that which is sat or real can never have abhava can never be non-existent the idea is that which is real or truth that can never be non-existent or it cannot be that the truth is not the truth always is nobody can destroy the truth nobody can change the truth nobody can you know uh, nobody can uh, make it non-existent truth always remains it always exists it cannot be the sat or the truth is not and what is called untruth it never is even though it may appear to be so it really is not so here we are coming to understanding the reality of life what is real is something that appears to the sense perception is it real the world that appears before us what is the reality of this world do we accept the reality as it appears or what says asataha vidyamanasya bhavaha bhavanam astita navidyate so that which is asat or what we call mithya in 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 other words that which is mithya or unreal doesn't really have a reality of its own <coughs> why is it so shankaracharya says vikaro hi sah because you take anything in the creation anything in the world is a vikara is a product or modification take for example as the vedantins always do take the case of a a mud pot a clay pot is a typical object so in order to understand the reality of the world take any object of the world as an illustration and whatever be the reality of that object what be the reality of everything in the world for example when you are cooking rice you know and you want to determine whether the rice is cooked or not what do you do take one grain of rice and test it whether it is cooked or not isn't it is not necessary that you should take every grain of rice in order to determine whether the rice is cooked or not but take one grain of rice and test whether it is cooked it is cooked then the whole batch is cooked similarly also to understand the reality of the world what is world is nothing but an assembly of variety of objects which we call names and forms so clock is a name clock and a form corresponding to the name a book also is a name and there is a form corresponding to that and a man also is a name and there is a form corresponding to that and thus all the various objects of the world are what nothing but names and forms there are forms and there are names corresponding to them so take any one name and form and analyze the reality of that take a pot for example made up of clay so what is this pot vikaro hi sah it is a product or it is a modification you could have taken a chair also or a desk also what is it it's made of wood it is a vikara meaning it is a modification it is a product so take the clay and mold the clay or transform the clay in a certain way and you have what we call a pot and what is the product or what is the modification vikarascha vibhicharati that which is a product or that which is a modification always is subject to change vibhicharati meaning it is constantly undergoing changes it is perishable anything that is a product is always subject to change it is always perishable it never remains the same even at any any moment 
So a pot, for example, which is a product, which is a modification of clay, is subject to change. It is perishable. Yatha ghatadi samsthanam chakshusha nirupyamanam mridyatirekena anupalabdehe asat tatha sarva vikaraha karanam vyatirekena anupalabdehe asan. Says here, just as when you are looking at a pot, what is the reality of what we call the pot? Is it possible for this object called pot to exist independent of clay? Is it possible for an object called a pot to exist independent of clay? Suppose we remove this clay, remove clay from the pot, will there be any anything existing there? Not really. Meaning it is not possible for the pot to exist without the clay or it is not possible for you even to perceive the pot without perceiving clay. The pot would not be perceptible, pot would not be existent if we remove clay from this pot. And therefore we say that pot does not enjoy a reality of its own. Reality of the pot totally depends upon that of the clay. Existence of the pot is totally dependent upon clay. Even perception of the pot also is totally dependent upon the perception of clay. You could not perceive the pot unless you perceived the clay. And therefore, we say that the pot, existence of pot is totally dependent upon the clay. And therefore, pot as such does not enjoy an existence of its own. Therefore, we call it asat, we call it unreal. A pot is called unreal or mithya. Unreal meaning which does not have a reality of its own. Because the reality of the pot totally depends upon the clay. Remove the clay from the pot, there is no pot there at all. Tatha sarva vikaraha karana vitarekena anupalabdehe asan. And therefore, anything that is a modification or anything that is a product by this would be considered to be asat or would be considered to be mithya, unreal. Because no product or the effect can exist apart from the cause. An effect cannot exist apart from the cause. Let us take gold, make an ornament out of gold. Gold is what we call the effect or product of gold. Ornament cannot exist independent of gold. Effect cannot exist independent of the cause. What is effect? Nothing but a modification of the cause. And therefore, an effect cannot exist independent of the cause. This desk, for example, a wooden desk. So, wooden desk is a product of wood, is an effect of wood, and cannot exist independent of wood. So, this is so of anything that is a product, anything that is an effect, anything that is created, is subject to change, is perishable, does not exist independent of the cause. And therefore, whatever is in effect, we would say, is unreal. <coughs> because an effect cannot exist independent of the cause. Is there anything in the universe which is not a creation or not in effect? Everything is created. Everything is in effect. Everything has a birth and everything also will have a death. Everything has a beginning and everything will have an end. However long that life cycle is, the life period may be very long. There are things in the world which are born and they die next moment. There are things that are born and die in a few hours, in a few days, in a few months, in a few years. And there are things that last for a few thousand years, few million years, even few billion years. But still, one thing is certain that that which has a beginning will definitely have an end. And therefore, all of that is created. What is created? That which have a, has a beginning. Because it did not exist before it began or before it came into being. It did not exist in this form. We say that part is a creation. Because before the creation of part, there was no part, there was only clay. And then you molded the clay in a particular form and you have this pot now. And a time will come when the pot again will perish and again reduce into clay. 
So every object in the universe is a creation, is a product, is an effect. And therefore the same rule applies that every effect is unreal and therefore everything in the universe is unreal. Doesn't enjoy a reality of its own, derives its reality from something else. Just as a part derives its reality from the clay and so also everything in the universe derives its reality from something else. Janma pradhum sabhyam prag urdhum cha anupalabdehe Because the product is that which is not perceptible before its creation, not perceptible after it, is, it perishes, and therefore it is only perceptible only in the middle period of time, and therefore it doesn't enjoy an existence of its own. Had it been a real thing, it could not have a beginning, nor it could have an end. That which is real or the truth cannot have a beginning, cannot have an end. Everything in the universe is a product, and therefore it is unreal. And thus you keep on reducing. So part we say is unreal because it depends upon clay. Then somebody said even clay also is unreal because clay also is modification of something else. Of what? Of some, uh, of, of the element earth. Even earth also is a modification of what? Perhaps you can say molecules. Even molecules also are modification of what? Of atoms. Even atom also is an assembly which reduces to even more fundamental particles. Somebody asked the question, Mrudadi karanasya tat karanasya cha tat karanam vitarekana anupalabdehe asatvam tat asatve cha sarva abhava prasangahiti cha Since anything that you come across is a product, anything that you come across is an effect, and just as this cloth in my hand also is a product, and its cause is what? The cotton. And so cloth reduces to cotton because cotton is the reality behind the cloth. You see cotton also is a product. What is cotton? It reduces to fibers, which is the reality of this cotton. And what is fiber? Fiber also ultimately reduces to molecules, which is the reality of the fiber, which reduces to some atoms, which reduces to some further particles. And thus, if you continue this process of reduction of effect into cause, or assembly into its components, where will it ultimately end? It will end to nothingness. You keep on reducing further and further and further, Sarva abha, sarvatra abhava prasanga hai. Then there will be what? A total non-existence. So when you really press this, the whole point, and you press this inquiry of reducing an effect into cause, then the question arises that everything will reduce into nothingness. Isn't that so? It's the question. Will it be or not? Let me ask you this question. If you press this inquiry, this is what a scientist does, by the way. What is, this, what is the scientist trying to do? He is trying to determine what is the cause. What is available for our perception is an effect. Like a piece of matter is an assembly made up of variety of molecules, which is an assembly made up of number of components, which is an assembly uh, atoms, which is an assembly made up of number of particles. Where will this search ultimately lead itself to? You keep reducing the assembly into components and which turns out to be another assembly, see? The cloth itself is an assembly of cotton, which is an assembly of the fibers, which turns out to be an assembly of various molecules, which turns out to be an assembly of atoms, which turns out to be an assembly of other particles, and everything turns out to be an assembly which can be reduced into its further components. Where will this reduction ultimately re resolve into? Or the clay is an effect, part is an effect, which is cause is clay, clay also is in effect, cause is uh, earth, earth is in effect, cause is water, and like this effect is reduced to the cause, where will it ultimately result into? Will it not result in nothingness? Sarvatra bhava prasanga hai, it reduces to total non-existence. Does it mean that non-existence is the reality of this universe? There's a question. That's right. Where will this ultimately lead to? That's what scientists are discovering. It leads to nothingness. They say it's energy, you know. Something that is imperceptible. All right. 
see the Vedantins have already given thought to everything. You know, what the scientists are trying to determine through their instruments and whatever it is, it's all determined with the help of thought process. says, no, it is not that it will reduce to a total non-existence. Why? Sarvatra buddhi upalabdehe sad buddhi asad buddhi iti says, whenever you perceive anything, whenever your perception of any object, in fact you are simultaneously perceiving two things. Sad buddhi, asad buddhi. You are perceiving that which is real and simultaneously perceiving that which is unreal. Because unreal can never exist apart from the real. When we say unreal is unreal, means that it doesn't have a reality of its own, which means that it derives its reality from something else. Like when you perceive a pot, for example, then what? You are perceiving a pot as well as clay simultaneously. Of that, now take a pot in this illustration. So when we perceive the pot, when I touch pot, then I touch clay also. When I perceive the pot, I perceive clay also. Now suppose you break this pot into pieces, what happens? The pot is broken. Now what do you perceive now? You perceive some pieces of parts. At that time also, you do perceive the clay. Now you reduce those pieces into, again further, powder for example. Then even those pieces are also not there, but what do you perceive? Powder. At that time also, you do perceive the clay. Thus even though an object called a part, which is a product or a modification or an effect, changes, perishes, gives up, gives up its name and form and something else comes in its place. Pot gave up its name and form and it was displaced by what? By pieces. It gives up its name and form, it is displaced by what we call powder. Thus, what we call the effect keeps on being displaced by another effect. However, what does not get displaced is what we call the clay, which is the fundamental substance in that particular illustration. So understand that whenever we perceive anything, simultaneously our mind, our intellect appreciates two things. One is that which is changing, subject to modification, and other is that which does not change, which is not subject to modification. Because a change cannot exist apart from a changeless support or a changeless substratum. Just as a wheel that is rotating, it cannot rotate unless there is an axis which does not rotate, which supports the wheel, which provides a dynamism to the wheel. So that which provides existence and dynamism, there must be an axis which supports the wheel, its motion as well as its existence. And similarly also, whenever we perceive anything, we may not notice that, we may not make a note of it, but knowingly or unknowingly, we do perceive these two things simultaneously. Yad vishaya buddhi navya vijardi tatsat Yad vishaya buddhi vijardi tadasat So that the, the perception of which keeps on changing is called unreal and that the perception of which does not change is called real. In the illustration of the part in the clay the part or the, the cognition of the part keeps on changing because part is replaced by its pieces and they are again replaced by some other form. But as far as the appreciation of the clay is concerned, it remains constant. Take an ornament, same thing. You can, you can break the ornament into pieces and do all kinds of things, but the gold remains changeless. Thus, in everywhere, we have these two kinds of buddhi, meaning two kinds of understandings or two kinds of cognitions. One is that element which keeps on changing, other one which does not change. <coughs> that which is subject to change, we call unreal, and that which does not change is what we call real. Sarvatra dve buddhi sarvahi upalabhyade samanadhi karane In any, any one locus, there are invariably these two kinds of appreciations by us, one is the appreciation of that aspect which is subject to change. Other is the appreciation of that which does not change. Tasmad ghatadi buddhi vishaya asan vivicharat nadusad buddhi vishaya avivicharat. Now, what is it that you see? 
टू थिंग्स साइमल्टेनियसली सेजर सन घट है सन पट है सन हस्ती सो वेन यू परसीव अ पार्ट यू परसीव वॉट यू वॉट यू से द पार्ट इज वेन यू परसीव क्लॉथ वॉट यू से क्लॉथ इज वेन यू परसीव एन एलिफेंट वॉट यू से एलिफेंट इज सो इन एनी परसेप्शन there is the perception or the knowledge in any knowledge there is a knowledge of that particular object enjoying a certain name and form and there is also the knowledge of existence of that object you say that the clock is when we say clock is there are two things that are known to us one is the clock and second is what is so one is clock buddhi or the clock knowledge other is what asti buddhi or the knowledge of its existence when i look at the book again what i say book is in there also i have two forms of knowledge one is the knowledge characterized by book and second is knowledge of the existence of the book otherwise i could not say the book is can you say for example there are horns on my head can you say that i mean a person in the right mind will not say that some people can say that also but generally speaking you cannot say there are horns on my head you vedantins usually give an illustration of rabbit horns you know horn of a rabbit i just happened to see a rabbit by the way just few minutes ago as i came out of my cabin i saw a rabbit you know running running across my path it doesn't have horns why do i say it doesn't have horns because the horns of a rabbit do not have what we call astitva buddhi or it doesn't have sat or existence so when i perceive any object i perceive the ob- i i know the object as well as i know the existence when existence is not known then the object also is not there so when i say desk is there is knowledge of the desk as well as knowledge of existence book is there is knowledge of book there is knowledge of existence anything is trees knowledge of tree knowledge of existence so everywhere thus there are two, there is two forms of knowledge simultaneously taking place knowledge of what we call the name and form which is subject to change which is subject to modification which will perish and second is the knowledge of what we call sat or existence which remains ever the same which never changes tree is cut into pieces then the branches you know the branches is or are and again leaves cut there into pieces then it will keep on changing its name and form but is 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 it ever remains the same you can never that you can it, your perception or knowledge can never be without that is every knowledge always is accompanied by is 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 isn't that so and therefore that is knowledge is something that is changeless the knowledge of the other component the knowledge of name and form is something that keeps on changing subject to modification and therefore we say that that name and form is asat or mithya or unreal and that sat is 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 or existence which in fact is then the existence is that which ever is and therefore it is real <coughs> somebody said they're all right you are right now perceiving a part for example and you say that the part is then suppose somebody removes the part from your sight or suppose somebody breaks the part then no more will you say part is or somebody removes the part or you're looking at the part when it which is on your left and you turn away your attention and now look in the right at that time there is no part as well as there is no existence of part in your mind then is it not that the knowledge of part as well as knowledge of existence of the part both have gone away simultaneously understand the question that dying or perceiving the part or a chair for example so chair is if i turn my attention away then i see a tree now the tree is but the the chair knowledge as well as the knowledge associated with the existence of chair both of them have gone away 
How do you say that the knowledge of existence is something that persists? Ghate vinaste, ghata buddhu vivicharantyam, sad buddhi api vivicharati He says, when an object is replaced, now chair, now a loudspeaker, now a book, now a tree, as the objects keep on changing in the mind, isn't it that the existence also goes away? Answer is no. Na patadavapi sad buddhi darshanad. See, even say, I, I look here, I say chair is. I look there, I say tree is. I look up, the light is. In each one of them, the is, is, is continues to persist. Chair has been replaced by tree. Tree has been replaced by light. But is, is not replaced by anything. So the knowledge of is, or knowledge of existence is that, which is irreplaceable, undisplaceable. And therefore, the knowledge of sat, or existence never changes, it never perishes, it always is. Because associated with every name and form is what we call Sat or existence. Without that existence, no name and form could ever exist. And therefore, whenever you perceive anything, you also, whenever you know anything, there is simultaneously the existence which is also known. And therefore, is, 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 is is what you are constantly repeating. Now I say book is, chair is, light is, ceiling is, tree is, rug is. It, there can never be any knowledge where that is, is not associated. And therefore, the Sat Buddhi or the knowledge of Sat or knowledge of existence is something that persists constantly. And therefore, that is the truth of everything. In short, when you reduce, keep on reducing the name and form, keep on reducing the effect into the cause, or keep on reducing an assembly into its components, where will it ultimately resolve into? It will resolve into something that you cannot reduce further, something that you cannot negate, something that you cannot wipe out, is what? Is. And therefore, is is something that can never be wiped out, can never be reduced, can never be eliminated, can never be destroyed. <coughs> then the question is, but then suppose we say that there is a part in front of you and you say that the part is. Now suppose somebody removes that part and there is nothing in front of you, then what? See, this is a typical case. There is a part or an object in front of you. It's an object of your perception. It is removed from your perception. And now, there is nothing in the perception. Nothing is perceived. At that time, even that is also you cannot say. You cannot say something is because there is nothing in front of you. Does it mean that that is or sat or existence also is gone? The answer is no. Existence does not go. What happens is, you cannot perceive the existence in its pure form. Existence is not perceptible or knowable in its pure form. It cannot be objectified by the mind. But then you can perceive the existence only as qualified by a name and form. You can perceive existence as qualified by an object called tree, a name and form called tree, name and form called book, name and form called chair. You cannot perceive existence in its pure form. We'll give an illustration here. For example, take the case of this clock. When can you say, when can you perceive the clock? When the clock is illumined by the light, by the way. The clock can be perceived by the eyes when the clock is illumined by this light. Suppose there was no illumination at all here, you could not perceive the clock, even if it were there. So now when you are perceiving the clock, in fact you are perceiving two things simultaneously. What are those two things? The clock as well as what? When you are perceiving the clock, you perceive two things. You perceive clock and what else do you perceive? The light. Isn't that so? So in perception of any object here, there is perception of the object as well as the perception of light. Now suppose you turn your attention on the clock to this book, then you perceive the book 
and then also you perceive what? The light. You turn your attention to a rug, you perceive the rug as well as you perceive the light. So perception of light is something that persists in every perception here in this illustration. But then, is it possible for us to perceive light as such? No. Eyes cannot perceive light as such. Eyes can perceive light only when it is conditioned by an object. You can say that there is light here. There is light in this room. When can you say? When you are able to perceive an object. So light as it is cannot be perceived but light when conditioned by a given name and form or light is conditioned by an object alone is perceived by us. Because light is subtle. So this is a characteristic of a subtle thing that it cannot be perceived as it is but perceived when it is conditioned by something. Swami, I do perceive light. Where do you perceive? You perceive the walls. You perceive rug. You perceive ceiling. You perceive an object and therefore you say that there is light. Light as conditioned by a given object alone is perceived. Without light, the object cannot be perceived. But light as such cannot be directly perceived by you. Light is perceived as reflected by a given object. As reflected by an object or as conditioned by an object. <clears throat> Similarly also, existence cannot be perceived by us as it is. But existence as conditioned by a given name and form is perceived. Therefore we say, clock is. That we perceive or know both the clock as well as existence. Existence as conditioned by a name and form called book. Existence is conditioned by an object, book. Existence conditioned by an object, tree. Existence conditioned by an object, man, whatever. Therefore we say book is, tree is, man is. When we say that, it is existence known to us, but as conditioned by a given name and form. And therefore, when name and form is not there, you cannot perceive existence. That doesn't mean that existence is not there. If there were nothing in this room, perhaps you won't be able to perceive the light at all. That doesn't mean that light is not there. It is because an object that reflects the light is not there and therefore the presence of light is not known to you. And similarly also, existence or sat doesn't ever get diminished. But if there is some qualifying object not there, you, may, you do not perceive the qualified existence, then it doesn't mean that existence itself is not there. Sat or existence always is. That is, is, is is always maintained in our mind and therefore every moment of our existence or awareness always is characterized by existence. <coughs> and also, can you say that there is nothing at all? Suppose there is no object of perception. Suppose I close my mind. My mind becomes thoughtless. I don't perceive anything. At that time you may say that there is no perception at all, as in deep sleep for example that you don't perceive anything at all, at that time, is there existence or not? You say that, I don't, I did not know anything. At that time, is there anything in existence or not? Then also, something is in existence. Suppose your mind is completely thoughtless, there is no perception or knowledge of any kind. At that time also, is something there or not? What is there is the very perceiver. You are still there. The one who has closed his eyes from everything and one who declares that he or she does not see anything, that one is. In the deep sleep also, even when there is no perception of any kind, at that time also, the deep sleeper, he very much is because he wakes up in the morning. And therefore, that self for the perceiver can never be negated. He can never go out of existence. And therefore, what we call existence, which we perceive as conditioned by different objects, is nothing but who is that one? Is nothing but the very self. So, what is, where is that sat or existence? Is the nature of the self. And it is existence alone or self alone which you are
question is, so I think existence is there. But is that existence there? Not really. Where is that existence? I alone am that existence. So I, the self, which is the nature of existence, which is truth, which is imperishable, alone is perceived by me as conditioned through these different names and forms. So really speaking, what am I perceiving? Constantly what I am perceiving or knowing is existence as conditioned by different names and forms. And where is that existence? Or who is that existence? I alone is that existence. That self alone is that existence. And therefore, what is the reality behind everything that is known to me? What is the reality behind all the names and forms that I constantly perceive? The reality is nothing but the very perceiver, the very self. So self is the reality of all that I perceive or all that I know or all that there is. For example, the dream. I perceive a number of objects, I experience variety of objects in the dream world also. But where is the reality of all that dream world? Is the very perceiver himself. That's the reason why when I wake up in the morning, the whole dream world resolves into me. And therefore, even when in the dream I feel that I am perceiving different objects which are different from me, in reality, I, the perceiver, is the reality of the whole dream world. And so also in the waking world, who is the reality of the whole waking world? When everything is reduced into its, its uh, cause or into its components, where will that process of reduction ultimately stop? It will stop with what? Into I, which is the self, which is truth, and which is therefore the substratum of whole existence. Every said that everything can die, everything can perish, but the Sat, which is existence, which is self, cannot perish. And everything else is perishable, is unreal, is only what we call an appearance. So Lord Krishna is saying here that when you analyze the reality of all this universe, which causes in you this pleasure and pain, which causes in you all this happiness and unhappiness, what is the reality of that? It is all an appearance. Just as in the dream, we experience a number of objects. What is the reality of those objects? Even though in the dream, all of them appear to be very real and tangible. And therefore the experience in the dream cause the pleasure and pain in us. But when we wake up, what do we find? We discover that all those things that are experiencing in dream, all that was really non-existent. But that wisdom comes to me when I wake up. Here Lord Krishna says that what is the reality of what you call the waking world? That reality is not much different from the reality of a dream world. Just as the whole dream world resolves into the dreamer when he wakes up, and so also the reality of the whole universe which you are encountering or experiencing ultimately resolves into the self. So dream is what we call an appearance, a projection, and so also what we call the waking world is nothing but a projection or an appearance, not enjoying its own tangible reality. And therefore, you are grieving for what? Grieving for things that are just apparent. You are insulted by what? Things that are just apparent. You are pained by what? Things that are apparent. Thus, this is the looking at from the your experiences or evaluating the experiences from what we call absolute standpoint. Not the relative standpoint. Swamiji, what does it mean? That all the world is non-existent? You mean everything is appearance? And that, what should you do with it? You do whatever you are doing with it. But understand that it is an appearance. It doesn't have a reality of its own. And therefore it doesn't matter what it is. What? Whether it is this form or some other form, ornament has given form, ultimately gold alone is a reality of ornament, doesn't matter in what form it is. And so also, Sat or existence or the self is the only reality about the whole universe and therefore it doesn't matter in what form it is. What is the configuration? The configuration does not matter, the substance alone matters. The configuration of the ornament doesn't matter, the substance gold matters. And so also the configuration or arrangement of the creation does not matter. What matters is the reality behind it and which is the self. So, and what is the reality of said? Na sato vidyate bhavaha, na abhavaha vidyate sataha. 
and that which is Sat or Truth or the Self, it can never go out of existence. It is imperishable. It cannot be destroyed. That will come in the next verse. But what is Sat or the real is that which is indestructible and that which is Asat or unreal, even though it appears to be there, is not really there. Thus the objects of the world, even though appear to be there, are not really there. Because the only reality about them is existence. And the name and form in which that existence appears, that name and form being perishable, is unreal. So hey Arjuna, keep your, keep in mind this nature of realities. This is what Vedanta is. Vedanta is nothing but revealing, inquiring into the nature of realities. Understand the, the things for what they are and then decide what you want to do with them. But understand that what you call ornament is nothing but gold. And therefore, don't get hung up on a certain form. If it comes in a different form, don't react that this is wrong or right. This is gold still. If it is uh, one pound of gold, doesn't matter in what form it comes to you. As long as you are concerned with the substance, the form does not matter. And so also, the world keeps on presenting itself in different arrangements and configurations constantly. What does it matter what the configuration is? Understand that configuration is unreal and the substance which is existence alone is real. Keep this in mind. Evam atmanatmanoho sat asatoho ubhayoho api drashtaha upalabdha antaha nirnayaha sat sadeva asat asadevaititu anayoho tattvadarshibihi those who are wise, those who know the truth, have a clear understanding of what is Sat and what is Asat, what is real and what is unreal. They know the unreal as unreal and they know the real as real. And therefore, here Juna, may you also do that. Even though right now you may not be able to actually see it yourself, but understand, even from this intellectual analysis, you can understand that the world is not just what it appears to be. That what appears is something that is constantly in a state of flux, constantly changing, constantly moving, constantly perishing. And that what is in a flux or change or what is perishing derives its reality from that which is imperishable. So perishing, changing is unreal and therefore it does not matter what it is. And what is unchanging or unreal, I mean real, a sat existence, that alone matters. And therefore, what all you are coming across is changing, is modification, is creation, is a product. And therefore, it should not matter to you what it is. And therefore, don't brand anything as right or wrong, as good or bad, as agreeable, disagreeable, as honor, dishonor. What you call honor? also is nothing but modification of something. What you call dishonor, also the same. Honor, what causes honor to you? Some words, some person. What is the reality of this person? A name and form. And what is name and form? Ultimately reduces itself to sat or existence. What is honor? Same thing. Dishonor? Same thing. What is, what is pleasure? Some object gives you pleasure. What is the reality of an object? Again name and form. And what does it reduce to? Sat or existence. Thus, all these different objects of the world, the situations of the world, the people of the world, which cause in you this pleasure and pain, happiness and happiness, sadness and elation, honor and dishonor, all these kind of things that the world, is, world manages to create in you, what is the reality of those things? They do not have, they are all apparent. They are just projections or appearances. They do not have a tangible reality of their own. All of them ultimately reduce to one reality, which is Sat or existence. And therefore, keeping this in mind, it should not matter to you what the configuration is, what the situation is, and what the things are. For whom is this said? For the one who has really that subtlety to be able to keep this in mind. If one keeps that in mind, it doesn't matter what the configuration is. <coughs> it is like a movie. In movie, lot of things are happening. You know the reality of them. And therefore, you do not get perturbed. If some fire takes place there on the screen, you don't run around, you know, with a bucket of water.
to quench that fire because you know that it is unreal. Swamiji, what should you do when the fire takes place here? You know, that's the question of a, you know, of a person who is only concerned with bread and butter and nothing else, you know. These are the questions of people who are simply concerned with the grossest realities of life. Do whatever you have to do. But the point is, understand that it is, understand the reality of it. Whether it is burning or not burning, it continues to remain in name and form, perishable and unreal. And so, if a situation in your opinion demands a certain response from you, do that. That doesn't change its reality. You make a, a palace out of the cards, playing cards. What happens if it falls down? Well, if you want to build it again, do that. Suppose you make a palace out of sand. What happens if it falls, breaks down? Well, you know that even if it breaks down, it is only a palace of sand. You want to build it again? Do that. Don't want to build it again? Don't do that. As long as you know its reality, then you can do whatever pleases you. You know very well that by reconstructing, it is not real anywhere. And so, knowing this, you will be able to sustain all the different vicissitudes, all the changes that life presents before you, keeping in mind the reality of the things as they enjoy. This is the wisdom that the wise people have. There is always constantly what we call the discrimination between the Sat and a Sat or the real and the non-unreal. This discrimination always is there and they know the unreal as unreal and treat it accordingly and know the real as real. So unreal is unreal regardless of what shape you give it, what configuration it has, what arrangement it has, it doesn't give it any more reality. And so, unreal is all the names and forms of the whole universe. They enjoy the same degree of reality, which is what we call Mithya. So know the Mithya is Mithya, and know the Satyam is Satyam. This is the ultimate vision that one is to gain. And that vision is presented here in this verse by Lord Krishna, right in the beginning. It is a little too difficult for Arjuna at this, perhaps at this time, to be able to grasp that. But unless we keep this in mind, subsequent discussion, etc., <coughs> will not be meaningful to us. And so, we have to keep this ultimate vision of life in mind that just because something appears before you doesn't make it, give it a reality. We generally take as real whatever is perceptible by us. But now, what is apparent, or, I mean what is perceived or what is, uh, what is perceived by us, what appears before us doesn't necessarily mean it is real. It derives its reality from something else. Like a reflection appears before me, doesn't mean that there is a real person. And so also, the world appears before me, doesn't mean that it enjoys a reality of its own. It is what we call a relative reality, called Mithyatvam. And where is a reality? A reality in Sat or existence. And where is that? That is your very self. So self or you ultimately are the reality of everything that you perceive, everything that you come across. And ultimately, therefore, you are fighting only with yourself and you are doing whatever in the ultimate sense because that Sat or existence, self alone is reality of everything. <coughs> okay, think about it. If what matters in our life is bread and butter, then this is of no use. If something else matters to us, then of course, we will find this stimulating, you know. Uh, but Swamiji, how about my job and how about my house and rent? solve those problems in, the, in, in a different way, if they are the problems. Those who have grown out of those kind of problems and those who are concerned with something else in life, for them alone this becomes meaningful. Otherwise, uh, we keep listening to Vedanta for years together and still only worried about somebody told me this and somebody told me that. Why did you look at me like this? Alright, that is, you know, we are far away from what Vedanta has to offer to us. And so we have to understand what is important in life and as long as trifle things continue to remain important, and so long we have to deal them in a trifle way. And when we'll grow out of this trifle matters, and when really realities of life become important to us, then alone these discussions will become important. Otherwise, obviously, it's all a matter of laughing, you know. Okay, at night, when we are satsang, you ask the questions. <coughs> Om. 
ಪೂರ್ಣಮದೂರ್ಣಮುದೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸೂರ್ಣಮಾಶಿಷ್ಯದೆ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇತಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ನಮಃ ಹರಿ ಓಂ